This episode of The Dig is brought to you by our listeners who support us at patreon.com and by Verso Books, which has loads of great left-wing titles, perfect for Dig listeners like you. One that you might like is Germany's Hidden Crisis, Social Decline in the Heart of Europe by Oliver Nachtway. Upward social mobility represented a core promise of life under the old West German welfare state, in which millions of skilled workers upgraded their Volkswagens to Audis, bought their first homes, and sent their children to university. Not so in today's Federal Republic, where the gears of the so-called elevator society have long since ground to a halt. In the absence of the social mobility of yesterday, widespread social exhaustion and anxiety have emerged across mainstream society. Oliver Nachtway analyzes the reasons for this social rupture in post-war German society and investigates the potential conflict emerging as a result. He concludes that although the country has managed to muddle through thus far, simmering tensions beneath the surface nevertheless threaten to undermine the German system's stability in the years to come. Germany's Hidden Crisis, Social Decline in the Heart of Europe by Oliver Nachtway, out now from Verso Books. Welcome to The Dig, a podcast from Jacobin Magazine. My name is Daniel Denver, and I'm broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. What is democracy? It's a very good question, but one that too few in the political establishment bother to ask. Instead, they simply warn that democracy, which they self-servingly conflate with the pre-Donald Trump status quo, is under threat from Donald Trump. Trump, of course, threatens all sorts of things. But too often, what establishment figures mean by a threat to democracy is a threat to American political norms and institutions. What establishment scolds either can't or won't acknowledge is that those institutions and norms, waging wars on drugs and terror, facilitating the massive transfer of wealth to the super-rich, plundering the planet, and constructing a national security state, deportation machine, and horrific system of mass incarceration, are so often themselves fundamentally anti-democratic. This episode is an interview with filmmaker Astra Taylor about her new philosophical documentary, What is Democracy?, which asks ordinary people and political philosophers alike just that. The answers are often extraordinary and far more incisive than the mindless pablum that emanates from Washington and its official interpreters. Also, I'm not conducting this interview. Political scientist and Jacobin editor Alyssa Battistonia's What is Democracy? opens in New York on Wednesday, January 16th. In other words, today, the day that I'm posting this interview, at the IFC Center before traveling to theaters and campuses. Many special guests will be on hand during opening week in New York for live Q&As with Astra, including Sylvia Federici, Cornell West, and Kianga Yamada-Taylor. For details, go to www.ifccenter.com slash films slash what hyphen is hyphen democracy. Those of us who don't live in New York can find other dates through the distributor, Zeitgeist Films. And if you want to bring this film to your school or town, and you really should, 
please contact Zeitgeist Films. Before we move on, it's that moment where I ask you to support this hardworking podcast at patreon.com slash the dig. $5 a month and you get access to our newsletter, the most recent edition of which, incidentally, is Alyssa Battistoni's commentary on Melinda Cooper's book, Family Values. $10 gets you a copy of either Assad Hader's Mistaken Identity or Jacobin's ABCs of Socialism. $20 or more, and I will send you a load of left-wing books. So, please, hit pause now and support the left-wing media you love to consume at patreon.com slash the dig. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the dig. Also, I'm moving to Santiago, Chile for three months in a few days. My partner, political scientist Theo Rio Francos, has fieldwork to conduct on the politics of lithium mining, lithium being a key component in the renewable energy transition. But have no fear. I found a studio in Santiago, and the podcast will continue and will definitely include at least one show on Chilean politics. If you live in Chile, please hit me up. Also, many of the questions that today's show wrestles with will be taken up again next week in an interview on populism with Thea and political scientist Laura Gradin. Okay, let's get going. Astra Taylor is a filmmaker, writer, and organizer. She is the director of the philosophical documentaries What is Democracy?, Examined Life, and Zizek. She is the author of the American Book Award winner The People's Platform, Taking Back Power and Culture in the Digital Age, and a co-founder of The Debt Collective. Her new book, Democracy May Not Exist But Will Miss It When It's Gone, will be out from Metropolitan Books on May 7th. Alyssa Battistoni is a PhD candidate in political science at Yale University and an associate faculty member at the Brooklyn Institute for Social Research. She writes frequently for publications including The Nation, N Plus One, Dissent, and Jacobin, where she is on the editorial board. Pastor Taylor, welcome to The Dig. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. And I wanted to start off by saying how much I love your film, What is Democracy? I'm a political theorist, so I am very much the audience for it. But it's not, I think what's so great about it is that it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a film for academic political theorists. It's, it's a film that takes these big questions that I think often just get asked are sort of thought of as asked by academics or in academic political theory and poses them to everyone. And, you know, I'm teaching an intro to political philosophy class right now. And the, the questions that we're talking about every week are the questions that you're asking the film. Who should rule? What is democracy? Do we live in one? And it's really incredible to see a film like bringing these questions out of the classroom and into the public, which is where I think they should be. So it's really incredible uh, and rich and moving and beautiful. And I want everyone to see it. So everyone go go see it uh, when you can. I'm going to start off with a couple of questions about making the film and then wanted to get more into the questions, um, some questions about the questions the film is posing. So first off, um, could you just tell me more about how you came to make this specific 
film and like ask this question, what is democracy? Because there's a point early on in the film where you say that you weren't sure what it was going to be about exactly, but you kept coming back to the question of democracy. Let's begin with democracy because I personally even wrestled a bit with making this the theme of the film. Like, but I couldn't, I kept returning to democracy. It's great. Um, right? So great. Great. So you're, <laughs> you're almost a metaphor for our problem, which right. is, on the one hand, democracy is this totally fluid and stretchable notion today. It can be appropriated by anybody for anything. It has been appropriated for terrible purposes, for imperialism, for colonial conquest, for... Um, smashing unions, for undoing affirmative action, all kinds of things happen in the name of democracy that you might object to and that I might object to. And it has many possible forms, but then we think, okay, so just let's get away from it, let's have something else, let's, let's go to a different form for understanding justice or for centering our own projects of freedom, equality, emancipation, just living inclusion and so forth. So I was wondering when you started thinking about this, it certainly feels very timely, but um, when did the start percolating? How did you develop it into this particular focus and question? First, thanks for the kind introduction. It makes me really happy to hear that someone who is an expert in political theory enjoys this and thinks the film, film works. And that, you know, a film that follows these theoretical ideas out into the world is, is worth doing because it's not the most uh, intuitively cinematic concept, right? Um, there aren't that many philosophy films, sadly, especially not in the United States. So well, You're leading the way on this, so. <laughs> yeah, I kind of have the genre cornered, I guess, which is sort of funny. I mean, yeah, the question of what is democracy is something that, you know, came to me while I was involved in Occupy Wall Street, so 2011, and there was the, the wave of, of social movements, you know, not just in the United States, right? So in Spain, in Greece, um, the Arab Spring. And all of these movements were united by this word, you know, regardless of their sort of political context or, or what they were railing against. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I don't want to be harsh, but there was also a lot of dysfunction in Occupy. And there were these, you know, general assemblies that, you know, in theory were open to everybody. It was, you know, trying to practice direct democracy. And then there was, you know, they would break down and, people would fight. I remember one night I saw somebody get punched <laughs> and it was just, I was thinking, I think we could use a bit of, you know, political theory here. Like we know what we're against, but you know, let, let's go back to basics. I was also thinking at the time a lot about the internet because I wrote a book called The People's Platform that's a political economy of the internet. And so I was basically debunking Silicon Valley claims of democratizing everything. I mean, it was like the heyday of we're democratizing media, we're democratizing culture, we're democratizing your laundry, you know. And it's funny now, it's funny, sad, right, because we've, we've gone from this ridiculous sort of Silicon Valley techno-utopianism to this very dystopian view that now social media has, um, you know, played a big role in destroying our democracy or what's, if, if we ever had one. <laughs> so... The word, yeah, the word was on my mind, and I wrote a proposal for the film, and I just thought, okay, I'll just use this very simple question, just as a sort of lodestar, just to keep this 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 inquiry at the top of my mind. And I thought at different points that I would come up with a better title, but I've settled on it and because I think for me it's really important that the question is there, because that's that's what the philosophical 
mode is. It's, it's questioning, it's unsettling, it's trying to, you know, challenge our presuppositions. And, and it would be ridiculous to imply that I, that I could somehow answer that question in a 90 minute movie. Um, so the, so, you know, by the end I was like, okay, that's actually, actually the right, the right, um, question. But, you know, I imagined like a lot of people that the film would come out under sort of neoliberal Clinton administration in a different uh, political context than, than the one we're in. So what's interesting to me about showing the film at this moment is that uh, whereas I thought that I would be engaging with a sort of culture, a very complacent moment in trying to jolt it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this is not yeah. democracy. Uh, the film actually is serving a different role because we're actually now in this moment of political crisis and turmoil and there's so much fear. We're so caught up in sort of the reaction, right? Reacting to every, like, you know, comment that Trump makes. And so the film serving it does something very different which is it, it it creates this more reflective mood right and it's actually yeah. like, oh, no step back and think and the film has this very expansive time horizon going back 2500 years and it's like we've never had democracy and democracy certainly didn't die in november of 2016 yeah absolutely that's really it's really interesting to hear that you were thinking it would come out and you know maybe like a clinton administration or something because i think Obviously, the moment we're in is one where we're constantly seeing these headlines like democracy in crisis, that democracy is in trouble around the world. But sometimes you, you wonder whether we're all operating with the same understanding of democracy or what the threat to democracy is, where it's coming from, and so on. The film really is great for this taking a step back from all those headlines and, and thinking about the, the questions underneath. And I mean, I think the question works so well because you're talking to, I mean, you're posing it two philosophers, as you've talked to philosophers in previous films and people who are sort of, um, I guess, recognized as academic philosophers in some way or professional philosophers, I guess, uh, you know, and you're bringing in canonical thinkers, you know, Rousseau and Plato and going back, as you say, like 2,500 years, but of course, also talking to quote unquote ordinary people and asking genuinely and seriously, what is democracy and what do you make of this? And I think one of the things that's that I really like so much about the film is that it's it's doing this work to like compose a public and bring people together as a philosophical community and like a political community. And it's very democratic in the ethos of saying, you know, you can talk to a lot of different people and they can have ideas about these big questions. It's quietly like a rebuke to Plato who thinks the masses can't philosophize. And so, you know, you're talking to like this huge range of people from, um, you know, Guatemalan immigrants who run a worker-owned co-op and school kids in Miami and Syrian refugees in Greece and um, people who have served in office and people who have maybe never voted and kind of everyone in between. And so, um, and they all have really interesting and insightful things to say about democracy. They certainly don't always agree. If we are going to struggle to make a better world, a more democratic world, we all first must agree that all lives has equal values. Once we all agree on that, I think we can definitely stre stretch the concept of, of democracy. To me, I just see another period historical moment that we're in, where we can either leap together forward or we can go back. I think it's really important when talking about democracy, um, especially in Miami, being a global city full of immigrants, um, who, who gets to be like a citizen, right? And who gets this global citizenship and who is, who's able to be mobile um, and what's able to be mobile. 
Um, Zygmunt Bauman said that like mobility and in, in, in late modernity is a lot more important than capital. So one, I mean, one of the things that I thought about watching, I was, I was wondering how you um, thought about kind of composing this set of people or who, whose voices you wanted to have in the film, how you went about um, bringing those people into it and, you know, how you went out looking for the people you wanted to ask questions. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you're a political theorist and that's your expertise. And I, I think one thing that's really interesting about political theory is that it's it's this in-between discipline because it's not, it's not pure philosophy. It's yeah. not metaphysics or, you know, um, something that's in a traditional philosophy department. But it's also not a science. It's yeah. not totally empirical or um, uh, just, you know, studying the facts on the ground. So it's in this in-between space. And the, the film tries to occupy that in-between space. I mean, political theory, in my view is something that everyone should have access to. And, and I think the film does try to make the case that, um, you know, people are uh, far more sort of thoughtful than we give them credit for. So I, I really tried in every conversation I had to approach the person I was talking to as though they were a philosopher. And so that's part of the sort of egalitarian ethos that I think is really at the heart of the movie and how I approached the people I met and with, and the people I was really interested in. Um, and I, I was quite impressed by how people rose to the occasion. I mean, I didn't know when I conceived this, okay, I had this idea in my mind, I'm going to go and talk to quote unquote regular people like they're philosophers, but actually so much brilliance came my way and so much, um, insight about the world that we inhabit. And I think part of that is that people who occupy sort of society's bottom rungs, they really understand how society works and have a lot of um, uh, um, you know, interesting observations. So these, you know, the school kids in Miami, they're, you know, 12 to 14 years old, but they they really see the way the apparatus of school functions <laughs> and, and, and how decision making um, is, is structured to keep people like them out. The idea of democracy is that the people rule. And so that's one thing I want to talk to you guys about is how do you feel? Do you feel like you have a say in your school? Is that a place where you feel like you have any say over how things go? I don't think we don't have a say because it's run by people bigger than us and bigger than the school. Like, it's a whole county, so I don't think we really have a say. Whatever rules they establish, we just got to follow. So like, it's nothing else we could like, say to defend ourselves. We just got to do whatever they say. Is democracy something you talk about in school and that you've learned about in your history classes and stuff? Yeah. That's it's like about government, like like different branches and like like that. They don't ask us, oh, so how do you feel about the school? How do you, I don't know. Does anybody ever think about school being another way? Like, could you imagine a school where the kids, where the students actually had some sort of seat at the table and were allowed to have a vote or a voice in things? People inside of school should should have something to say, but it's really not going to matter because, like I said, it's other people ruining it. That was an encouraging takeaway, I think, from, from making this film. But I did think a lot about this question that you're raising, which is, you know, who is the, the demos of the film? And one insight that kind of kept, that stayed with me through the filming process was the fact that part of what makes democracy challenging intellectually is that the people is an abstraction. I mean, the idea of the, the democratic people is an invention, right? This idea of, of, a, of a social body that should have popular sovereignty. Um, it's not clear who the people are. It's not something that you can just point to. 
And so I wanted to show a people that, you know, didn't have any illusion of wholeness. You know, it's not like an ethno-nationalist people. Um, it's a conflicted people. It's a people that's not always pretty, but it's a people, and it's also a people that's agitating, um, that is, um, you know, fighting to exist. And so, you know, but the, again, I'm working within the boundary of, of a movie that is only, you know, can't, it can't it can't be... 20 hours long. So I also just, I needed to kind of convey, there needed to be enough people that it felt representative and that it felt like, oh, like open enough that it was okay that I left out all of these other kinds of people who aren't in the film. So that was, that was also a tricky balance because we're in an, in, in a moment where representation is really important. And, you know, yeah, I don't know, there's like 30 or 40 people in the movie, but there are so many types of types of people who aren't in there so that was that was tricky and like sort of when did it feel like I had enough right <laughs> that the film feels like it is a legitimate expression of of the demos um but I think that the subject of democracy is really you know it worked in the documentary format because it's a medium where you can really have that polyphony and you know so you get the sort of polyphony of voices and characters and they kind of like augment each other's perspectives and add different insights and you know so it's you know I, I work a lot as a writer and I wouldn't be able to capture on the page their individuality and their magic or their perspectives and so you know document but a documentary is a form that's just it's 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 the form to show human beings and tell their stories so it, I think it was a really really good medium for this project you know, I just want to, but I think what this film does that's a bit unique is that it doesn't just stay with the personal. It doesn't just like present human interest stories. It doesn't sort of give you a, a narrative catharsis. It's all about, okay, yes, there's individuals, but there's the structural, there's the personal, and there's the political. And so I'm always trying to move between those two registers. Yeah. And everyone is, you know, they're, they're conveying their own, where they're coming from and who they are, but also they're weighing in on these questions and they're doing, I mean, it feels to me it points like just political theory from below or something, or it's um, what you're saying about it, a documentary being a good form for um, a film about democracy makes sense. Cause it really is. Um, it's like watching democracy in action or something, but not just in the sense of like watching people voting. You're just walk, watching people work through ideas uh, kind of on screen, which is really cool. And I have, um, I, was wondering how you were thinking about um, this question of what democracy looks like. And there's that chant, you know, this is what democracy looks like. And whenever I have chanted that chant many times and I enjoy I it, but I always, I'm sure we both have possibly at the same <laughs> events. And I always think democracy looks like a lot of things. You know, there are a lot of ways that democracy looks. Uh, and I think you see a lot of them in the film, but I, I wonder how you thought about the image of democracy or what, literally democracy looks like when you're when you're watching it on screen and in this visual sense and it's I mean it's it's you have both these um and the film it's very intellectual there's a lot of ideas a lot of conversation and dialogue but it's you know it's a film so you're also watching it and so how did you think about how to portray democracy Ooh, that is a really good question and I love that because I feel like part of the motivation was for the film was actually that I kind of reached a, a limit and I got to the point where when I was at a protest and I heard that chant I was like I hope not you know like <laughs> like you know we have to go beyond these little tiny marches that I've, I've been to a million times. So it's, I, um, so that, that chant was definitely on my mind. 
I mean, I think there's on you know part there's also there's there are some obvious visual motifs that aren't in the film, right? So there's stuff that is not there. So you don't see the White House. You actually don't see people voting. I mean, voting rights are discussed, but you don't see you don't see um, people casting ballots. So there are uh, some sort of conventional tropes of democracy that we left out purposefully, and um, you know, and so that uh, and it's quite hard to find um, examples of you know what to me would be true democracy in action. So there are some small scale examples. So there's occupying Greece. There's there's some footage of that in a montage. There's um, a very fascinating, as you mentioned, a very fascinating um, workers co-op, which is one of the last the last textile factories in North Carolina. You know, all of these factories have been devastated by NAFTA, and there's you know one left, and it's actually run by uh, immigrants as a as a democratic co-op. Uh, there's a democratically run health clinic in Greece. So. Um, and, you know, one thing I struggled with was that I'm not someone who, who only thinks democracy can work at the small level. I'm not a small as beautiful person. But those are sort of the credible examples that I, I could find and felt that I could really, you know, um, feature in the film and, and feel like they were legitimate <laughs> examples. Um, while also the people in those spaces are, are very aware of the limitations. Uh, so I think... And the other big thing, I think, in terms of representing democracy is the issue of dialogue. You know, so a big tradition is, of course, like deliberative democracy. And and what you see in the film is there's a lot of a lot of conversation and a lot of um, uh, not just talking, but listening. And so the film, I mean, it's a funny thing for this visual medium to be focused on. But the film is it's not just. It's not just image, it's also sound. And so there's people talking and there's people listening and a lot of time there's me listening. And I think the film is structured so that the audience, you know, is on a journey with me, but I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm posing questions, I'm guiding the inquiry, but a lot of the time I'm, I'm listening really intently. And I, I sometimes feel like listening doesn't get its due and a big part of this film is, is making the case for a sort of politics of listening. Who's listening to, who's listened to, you know, who is regarded as an expert, who's taken seriously. And that's why it's so important for me to, you know, put, yeah, a 12-year-old girl next to a, a quote from Plato. You know, yeah, to, yeah challenge this idea of who, who an expert is. Yeah, and asking people who have not been asked what they think yeah. about things, maybe ever, uh, or, or maybe asked what they think about something that they then won't actually have any influence over or um, that their answer won't be, you know, have any meaning. Um, but, I, but I do think one, one, you know, scene that it's really important to me and, and people haven't picked up on it as much as, you know, cause there is a divide in the film in the sense that there are, you know, again, like non-academics and then there are figures like Wendy Brown and Cornel West and Sylvia Federici. And so there can seem to be this really stark division between the philosophers and the people. But there's this one character um, uh, who's a Greek um, classicist, and she talks about the origins of uh, the word democracy, you know, in Athens, and we go to the Agora together, and there's a scene where you you finally go into her house and you see that her daughter has had to emigrate um, because she has no future in Greece in the wake of the economic collapse. If I would be needed there to help, 
all of my classmates are leaving. No one, almost no one is, is staying. We need to like have a chance of a, a decent life. It's very difficult for me to leave Greece. And, that, and that's, I think, a big like ethical dilemma for me that if not us, then who will, will change the thing? Are you crying? Yes, of course I'm crying. Hello, Mama. I hope politically that one day I will be able to come to come back, that the political situation will will better and uh, the European situation will better, so I will be able to come back and help help the place that. I know so much about and I, I love so much about and I have pained so much for. And so to me, that scene is meant to say, OK, there really isn't the, a separation. There aren't people who just live detached from political problems. Intellectuals are, are people, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And in some ways, that sort of reflects what you get to at the end when you're talking to Sylvia Federici about democratizing reproduction and bringing politics into reproduction and um, not just looking at politics as something that happens in the quote-unquote public sphere that it happens in a lot of places and I mean that's actually a great I hadn't thought about it till now that's a great moment of seeing that kind of in someone's home watching um, this woman who's been talking about the history of Greek democracy and um, about these big philosophical concepts and her crying, speaking to her daughter who's in another country. Yeah, and her daughter. I mean, I tried to actually put those scenes closer together so that that connection would be more um, explicit. And because I, I locked myself into this mode or I chose to make the film in such a way that it's there's a lot of implicit meaning. You know, I didn't have a sort of big red arrow that's like, hey, this is this is the part about seizing the means of production or, you know, this is the part about this is, you know, the part about, um, yeah, the, you know, uh, you know, the fact that she's also a person and not just a brain. So, I mean, there are there are connections in the film and I sort of have to trust the viewer to make their own. And sometimes they pick up on what I intend and sometimes they see things I, I didn't see. Um but I think, you know, this, the film does begin, you know, early on there are scenes of, there's a scene with a, a representative, so someone in state government, but the film does quickly go into all of these other spaces that are, that, you know, are the institutions of our society and those are political spaces. So it goes to schools, it goes into hospitals, it talks about prisons. And so I think, you know, that, that. In terms of also this question of how do you represent democracy, it's also, again, not just reinforcing these sort of cliches that it's, you know, electoral politics alone and something that you only do in capital buildings. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a big maybe red arrow question. Okay, but, yeah. Um, I mean, do we live in a democracy in America today, you said earlier something like we've never actually lived in a democracy. And so maybe it's just expanding on that. But, um, you know, we've been, I think in America, you're raised to think American democracy are some synonymous. They go together. America has always been the like, you know, is the birthplace of modern democracy in some way and is, is where democracy will always thrive. And that, you know, this is, they're inseparable in some way. Um, even though I think, much more rarely you actually ask what that means and what democracy is and how that can be squared with the history of uh, 
you know, oppression and people, the many people who have not had any say in what happens in America for most of its history. But do we today live in a democracy? Yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, the, t- the answer to me is definitely no. But I also think that we live in a world that has been democratized in relation to what came before it. You know, so this idea that democracy is a process and that it's this ever-expanding concept. And I think when I went into this project, I was much more skeptical of the term. You know, it was something, you know, for me, the Bush era was so formative, this idea that we're bringing democracy to Iraq. And, you know, that word was not a word that inspired me. So words like equality and justice and socialism and revolution. And so I was actually quite surprised by how through the the making of this film and also writing the companion book that's going to come out in the spring. So how that actually made me go, no, this word is actually really powerful and this concept's really powerful, even if it's never been actualized and might never be actualized. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the answer's pretty straightforwardly no. It's actually surprised me how many people with no irony say, you know, that Oh, like someone, okay, a professor at Columbia University who shall not be named introduced the film last night and he said something, like, oh, you, you conceived this film when most of us thought we had a democracy. And I think it's quite interesting that these people who thought we had democracy are now actually the ones who are so convinced that, you know, it's all over and we're about to have fascism. It's like, what a frail, what a frail um, institution that was <laughs> like we can just be taken away so fast I mean and, p- and part of the problem was that their concept of democracy was was pretty weak it didn't really it didn't involve them doing anything except going to vote it didn't demand anything of them right I mean it wasn't at one point um, uh, the Greek scholar I just mentioned Effie you know she says you know democracy was in you know in the in the original sense was was understood as our capacity to do things together right that it's 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 a collective action there's quite a difference i mean i think there are some people who are really grieving they really feel like we had democracy and now it's gone and they're really grieving that that and so i hope for those people i hope the film just you know kind of is like a little bit of a slap in the face and is like no <laughs> for a lot of people this society has never it resembled something that could be described as democratic which is not to say there hasn't been progress you know um but uh I, I'm just I'm I'm always surprised. <laughs> it makes sense to me that you had this sort of trajectory through thinking about democracy because I was struck by how seriously the film takes critiques of democracy from thinking about Plato's anxiety and fear that democracy always uh, devolves into tyranny. The fact that the founding texts of the Western philosophical tradition. Plato's Republic provides the most powerful indictment of not just uh, democratic practices, but the possibility of democracy. And he argues that every democratic experiment, every experiment in which those Sly Stone called everyday people attempt to govern themselves will result in tyranny because there's too much unruly passion and pervasive ignorance among the demos, among everyday people. I have to say it's kind of, it is disturbing to reread Plato and see his description of how tyranny comes about from democracy and then watch the clip of Trump saying, you know, folks, people who are going to rule while he is styling himself as this strong man type person, 
But even, you know, beyond Plato and beyond Trump, there's there are many people in the film who say versions of um, democracy has always been an experiment at the expense of black people is, is what one woman says in a meeting. Black people have been the experiment of democracy. We have been at the expense of this so-called democracy. So what is democracy good for us? It's never been good for us. There's never been a democracy, um, you know, to, to me and my mind. So if that's the case, it's, it's kind of like, fuck it. It's not even, you know, why are we having this conversation? Sylvia Federici says, I think women have always, have never been protected by democracy. There are a lot of points at which it's very clear that democracy has not been good for a lot of people. And um, certainly many people have never been excluded or included in it. You know, you talk to people about the Voting Rights Act and uh, voter suppression, uh, Reverend William Barber is then at some point talking about voter suppression and, and this attempt to roll back a very short period in which uh, the voting rights of black Americans were protected, like a very, very short period of time. <laughs> and yet it ends, you know, you have this, you have this very, there's a very strong current of, of the shortcomings and failures of democracy. But it feels like the argument of the film in some way is that what we need is more democracy or to achieve the democracy that we never have. And Cornell West talks about Martin Luther King and Fannie Lou Hammer as uh, these these more radical Democrats, more radical than actual um, the democracy that they were ostensibly living in and how they're doing sort of democracy from underneath uh, American democracy. And so I wonder if you have, if there's something, how you see that more democracy, how do we, how do we do more democracy? How do we, I guess, yeah, achieve I know, the like, democracy yeah. that we haven't yet? Well, because it can almost be, it can actually be a kind of a liberal cliche like oh the solution is just more democracy, more democracy. that's kind yeah. of what i was arguing against in my internet book i was just like well what do you mean like democracy more democracy like for you the like democracy is just the free market like the no thanks or it's um, like the silicon valley version which is just selling more people more stuff or giving people access and some very yeah like or voice without power right yeah. so you can express yourself but you can't really change things so or you vote but nobody listens to your vote yeah. <laughs> so i mean i think this is the way the, the word is really up for for grabs i mean i like what sylvia federici says she actually says democracy has never befriended women and i think it's like this image of it's it's kind of an image of democracy some people want right where democracy is like it just friends you and it's, you don't have to it doesn't demand anything of you. It's not like a pain. Um, I think some of the dilemmas that the film raises about democracy are timeless. Like even if we had our socialist utopia where there was collective ownership over wealth, we would still have to figure out the boundaries of decision-making bodies. Who makes decisions for a specific factory, right? The workers, should the community have input? What about people who live really far away? I mean, this these issues like how how much do we prioritize the people who live now versus the people who have yet to be born? You know, how much needs to be planned versus how much needs to be spontaneous? I mean, these are these are these are I, I don't think some of these problems are they're not gonna go away. Like hopefully the conditions under which we're asking them will get better and we'll have better problems, but I think we're always gonna have democratic problems, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, and, and so, you know, that's why I think these, these questions are sort of worth elevating and sort of grappling with because they, uh, I think, I think they will stay with us. And, 
as an activist and as someone who engages in economic justice organizing, I, and who sort of, you know, is frustrated, I'm frustrated when I see social issue films that end with a really pat call to action or a kind of kumbaya moment of everybody out in the streets holding hands with rousing music. And so I wanted a film that was more honest, that I, I, that I personally found credible. I'm not saying those films are dishonest, but they just irritate me. And so the, the film is, it doesn't end with a sort of explicitly hopeful note. It's like it ends actually with this image of Sylvia and I still talking and like the conversation isn't over. And that was really, it was just important to me to not wrap it up with a bow and act like it's, it's figured out or that, you know, if we could just have a big enough protest, we'd have democracy because that's not true. In fact, one of my guiding principles was that I wanted a film that began the day after the big protest that most movies end with. It's like, what do you do the day after when, you know, you've had your big mobilization, but everybody's gone home, but the problem's still there and the media's moved on and you, you still have to grapple with the issues. And that, yeah, that to me just is more credible. And I think that it's why there's always a portion of the audience who comes up and tells me that they they feel hopeless after watching it. But I think, but then there are some people who really appreciate that it doesn't pretend that things are easier than they are. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely does not seem uh, to me, definitely don't want to suggest it's ending on some woo note because it's, if, if anything, it feels quite troubling towards the end where you get into these really severe challenges that are facing um, democracy today, justice, equality, um, many of the things we might have that we might want to have exist in more robust forms than they do today or these these values that we hold in some way. So one of them I wanted to get into you some was this, you, you've talked a bit about um, you do economic activism and, and one of the themes running through the film is certainly the theme of the effects of concentrated economic power on um, the ability to realize democracy, the the gap in wealth, um, whether in this sort of Plato's city of the the city of the rich and the city of the poor, or uh, very obviously in um, in America today and in the world today. And there's this one point in particular I wanted to ask you about, which is I thought was really interesting, where you ask uh, George Papandreou, who's the former prime minister of Greece. Um, you ask him who rules, which is you know a very classic question, and he answers the market, which I thought was so interesting because you know the usual political theory answers are sort of the one or the few or the many rule, and the one rules when it's like a monarchy or a tyranny, and you can have the few rule when it's an aristocracy or an oligarchy, and when the many rule it's democracy. And he says something totally different. He says the market, and it suggests this like that nobody is even in control. It's a set of sort of impersonal forces that, of course, are acting through people and that people are working to execute, but that seem out of control in some way. And, and this comes in the film in the context of the discussion of the Greek referendum vote on whether to accept the, the IMF and ECB bailout, which came along with you know austerity measures, basically. And people voted no. And then a week later, the market was like, mm, you're going to take our deal or you're going to be in trouble. And so it's this really interesting moment. And I wonder how you think about this question of the market and 
um, and capitalism and whether it's compatible at all with democracy. When for I mean for for you know I think a couple decades there was a story about liberal capitalist democracies that I mean, it all goes together and that's how things work and I think that is much more in question now. So how do you think about those? I really tried to shoehorn in the scene and the scene didn't work otherwise. But it was a scene where someone just said capitalism and democracy don't go together. In an economic crisis, the first thing they'll get rid of is democracy. Like this, again, it's this moment of the explicit or the implicit. In the 13th century, in Siena and surrounding areas, a banking system emerged. So what this town represents is really the beginning. It's the first elements of a capitalist society. In 1287, there was a revolt in Siena. They gave power to an oligarchy of merchants and bankers. This is the room where they used to meet. And then around 1330, they commissioned uh, the painting of this room. And, you know, I, I think even without that scene, that the film makes a pretty strong case that uh, capitalism and democracy are on a collision course. Um, you know, and I think there are all sorts of historical reasons why that marriage came to be and why there's this, like, messy divorce that seems to be happening. I mean, so the film very, um, you know, it, it definitely delves into uh, the history of democracy, you know, at least in the sort of mythic form uh, going back to Athens. But then the reason that I filmed Silvia Federici in Siena in Italy is because Siena is one of the centers of banking. So, you know, how do you also, so how do you tell a parallel story along with the story of democracy? How do you tell the story of capitalism? And so I guess I could have gone to sort of the fields of the enclosure, right? But there might not have been much to film there. We would just like walked, or walked around a, probably what is now a city. Um, but this, but basically there's this amazing fresco painted around the time when the first banks were developed. And it's the first secular fresco. And it's called the allegory of good and bad government, and it's this amazing painting that this this group of oligarchs who ran the you know ran this city state painted for themselves, so kind of so that they would remind themselves not to get like too greedy or let things get too out of hand, um, and uh, and so it's you know as just as the film's addressing sort of contemporary political problems, I'm also trying to say okay the contemporary you know economic problems also have a a long history and the problem of oligarchy is something that um that goes way back and i think the challenge um the challenge was you know precisely what you said which is like how do you how do you represent the market i mean i i, I definitely didn't want to individualize the bad guys too much right so i didn't want to say okay the reason that we're not the, the reason that we're not living our sort of best democratic life is because of the Koch brothers or Trump or, you know, whatever sort of nasty figure I could come up with, right? Because it's not about those individuals. It is about the structure. Um, but then you also don't want to, like, slip into having it seem like it's some paranoid fantasy about <laughs> invisible power. Um, so... Uh, so, yeah, so I definitely, but I, I needed that theme to be, you know, at the heart of the film. And, and I hope, you know, and I hope that nobody misses the message that, you know, right now capitalism is, you know, 
the threat. I mean, capitalism concentrates wealth and power, and that is inimical to the idea of a system where, you know, political power is broadly shared. Like, it doesn't make any rational sense for those two to go together. But I also didn't want to use, like, tire, I didn't want to use, like, rhetoric that, you know, was, I wanted to make that argument in a way that felt novel to me, right? And so that's why, you know, the scenes that are most about capitalism and exploitation are us looking at this painting from 1338. And part of why I did that was because I felt that it would get get me and get Sylvia, but out of our usual language and our usual rhetoric and to think on our feet and to, you know, we analyze this strange symbolic fresco and to kind of express ideas in a, in a different way instead of just kind of going, going to the formulations that we're most comfortable with. I love the scenes with the fresco because I've seen reproductions of it and have looked at it, have never thought about it that seriously. And watching the two of you talk about all of the different parts and how you could interpret them is, is really amazing. So I love those scenes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, there are also some really, you know, there's also some really great scenes of Greek pensioners fighting the riot cops when, you know, their, yeah, well, their benefits like, are being cut. And yeah, so elderly on, people is, literally beating up the police. <laughs> yeah, so there are certainly various depictions of democracy coming into conflict with capital. And I wonder, I mean, this is one of the big questions and, and challenges that is still hanging at the end of the film. And, and you have a conversation with Wendy Brown where you're talking about how do you confront something like global capital is that something that's possible to do through global democracy she's pretty skeptical um i'm curious if you what you think about the question of how politically to to confront a system that is global and that exceeds the bounds of existing political communities it has never had a a, a political and certainly not a democratic community that is equal to it in scale and scope and you and you and and Wendy Brown get into this question around what are the bounds of the democratic community do there have to be bounds and and Wendy Brown says I think there always have to be boundaries around the democratic community and doesn't say what exactly those are recognizes they've often been racial um, gendered and certainly that's what we see in a lot of growing nationalist movements today what can we do to confront global capital? Yeah. yeah. And how, what are the political communities that can take on that really monumental task? And how can we reimagine what those political communities are that aren't just going back into um, the, the familiar form of the nation state yeah. and nationalism that comes with it? Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I had, I think even if I had the right answer to that question, it would be a problem of doing it. Right. Yes. I mean, and this is <laughs> as with all of the, <laughs> right? the great political questions. Yes. Know. I mean, you know, Giannis Varoufakis and Bernie Sanders have announced their uh, you know, new international front to combat the strangely contradictory international nationalist right wing front that seems to be forming. Um, it seems to be very well organized, you know, but but. And I think they probably have a, a great analysis. But the question is, OK, so but how do how do people do it? Like what, what structures connects this concept of a leftist international to where we actually live on the ground? And that's always been what, that's so sort of, been the ground, <laughs> that, you know, we have internationalism as a, as an ideal and something that has been very robust at times, but is, is also different than a 
democratic community in the sense of a political community yep. that has teeth or that can um, that has the ability to well to challenge power right yeah I mean that's the thing it's like you know you can have solidarity um, in in theory which isn't you know to say it's not sincere but it's actually hard to um, uh, it's actually can be hard to embody and to you know, challenge structures that are very distant. So that's, you know, that's definitely a theme of the film too, the fact that power has moved further and further away from people. I mean, I think in this, to answer your question, I mean, I think in some ways we, we do know some of the answers. You know, the answer is to, to you know, strengthen labor, right? To create associations where people can exercise um, the power that they have collectively. So, you know, the the work I'm focused on is, around indebtedness. So I co-founded a debtors union called the Debt Collective, and we launched a student debt strike in 2015 that has won over $600 million for its members. And we've been um, battling with Betsy DeVos uh, for the last two years as she tries to roll back some of the uh, modest gains we made. But I think, you know, for me, thinking about in addition to traditional workplace organizing, thinking about how we actually organize around finance, because that these are these are chains that tie that link us as individuals. You know, the sort of um, chains of debt tie us back into these big financial structures that are international. Um, but I, I, you know, and I think we have to take stock of just how, when we say power has moved away from people. It's it's not just that it's moved to Washington. I mean, there's literally this, you know, supranational these supranational institutions that are purposefully opaque that were designed without any public input that you know supersede domestic law and are not um, subject to any sort of democratic control. So it's it's a really tough challenge. The situation we're in is not um, it's not. It's not, we can kind of see these structures and how illegitimate they are and how they're essentially almost like a sort of shadow government led by corporations, but how do we actually combat them? Um, and I think this is, you know, the film, it, it has this sort of global dimension and it, it talks about these meta problems, but that's why the scenes, they always come back to earth. They always come back to a place um, and, and to people because, you know, democracy has to be enacted between human beings. And that's, so, you know, it's funny because we always think, okay, you know, democracy, there's sort of the people who rule. So there's sort of the who question, and then there's the how question. So who are the people? How do they rule? But then there's also the where. And I feel like that doesn't get asked enough in general because, yeah, we do have to, we have to do it somewhere, right? And, um, and, and place is so central, which is why place, whether it's like the workplace in the film or like the city, so I was like, where's the place of democracy? And um, because uh, it does have to come from below. I really believe that the more that I've thought, you know, the more I've thought about this and after making this film, like it has to, it has to be grounded in a place and in a community. So I really hope, you know, again, like to go back to the, the sort of um, this idea of, you know, Verifakis and Sanders announcing an international. It's like, that's great, but it has to have roots if it's going to have power. Yeah, at the end of the day, somebody's <laughs> talking to somebody else about <laughs> yeah. what you're going to do. And that's really, I think, 
at the end of the day, all of politics kind of comes down to these conversations that people are having with one another and deciding what to do. And that's what I think is really, really comes through in the film. Yeah. So. I mean, it comes back to your question of just how do you represent democracy? It's like, it's people doing stuff again, our capacity to do things together. You know, we can't, we haven't um, automated ourselves away yet. <laughs> Well, keep an eye out for the democracy bot coming to a coming to a retailer near exactly. you in 2020. <laughs> okay. Well, Astra Taylor, thank you. This oh, thanks been... for having me. Thanks for all the kind words about the movie. Astra Taylor is a filmmaker, writer, and organizer, and the director of the philosophical documentary, What is Democracy?, among many other things. Alyssa Battistoni is a PhD candidate in political science at Yale University, a contributor to many fine publications, and a member of Jacobin's editorial board. Thank you for listening to The Dig from Jacobin Magazine. As Marx once said after remarking that it is evident that all forms of the state have democracy for their truth and for that reason are false to the extent that they are not democracy. While other podcasts have only interpreted the world in various ways, our point is to change it. We are posting new episodes every week. The Dig was produced by Alex Lewis, music by Jeffrey Brodsky. Our communications coordinator is Logan Dreher. Follow us on Twitter at The Dig Radio, and please do find us wherever you get podcasts and subscribe. If it's on iTunes, you can also leave us a nice review. Those reviews help introduce us to new listeners. What also does that is you telling your friends, strangers, whoever, about the show. Please make propaganda for us. And please do find us at patreon.com slash the dig and make a monthly contribution to keep this thing up and running strong. Even a few bucks is a huge help. Thank you.